When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Like many of you guys and gals out there, I've spent a lifetime in the hobby. Literally, I had my first real deal aquarium when I was like five years old. I mean, maybe even less. I actually had a goldfish bowl with baby guppies. My dad was a guppy breeder, and I used to get culled guppies from his, you know, blue delta tail line when I was probably three or four. That's some of my earliest memories is standing in front of his aquariums and having a little bowl in my room. And I was pretty much ordained to be a lifelong fish geek. I've kept so many different types of aquariums and fishes over the years that it's sometimes hard to remember all of them. I mean, they just sort of blur together. Yet it wasn't until 2015 that I obtained my first pair of Microgeophagus Ramirezi, Rams. Ram cichlids, seriously, it took me that freaking long. My first pair. I can't believe that I just never got around to trying these fish before. They're intoxicating. I mean, I couldn't get enough of them. They have amazing personalities, beautiful colors, and they're near-perfect fishes for, you know, my favorite South American-themed aquariums. I completely understand the obsession-inducing quality of these fish. The only thing I can't understand is why it took me so long to get to the party. Now, it's, about a, it's all about obsessions, right? They're part of the hobby, part of what keeps us going. And of course, I've had my share over the years, much like many of you have. Now, for the longest time, it was the yellow assessor, uh, Assessor Flavissimus from the South Pacific, a marine fish that I was just obsessed with, a little tiny fish, but I loved this fish, and I finally got to him. Before that, it was a fish called Centropygi Hotumatua, the Easter Island pygmy angelfish. Very expensive. I've written a story on that one before. Uh, we've probably heard it many times. Maybe I'll tell it to you again sometime. And of course, there were always killifish, specifically the genus Epiplates, to be exact. Epiplates degeti monroviae. That was literally the killifish of my childhood. I fell hard for that fish, and it was one of the coolest fish I ever bred. Still love it to this day. For many decades, I was obsessed with the sailfin tetra, Cranucus uh, spilurus. I always butcher that name, don't I? It's a fish that I recall <clears throat> reading as far back as elementary school in my well-worn copy of Inez's Exotic Aquarium Fishes. I'm a sucker for a black and white photo and a romantic description of a fish. So it must have been unreal in 1939 when that book was written because it's still called to me in the 21st century. I didn't get my first group until 2016. So weirdly diverse selection there, but I guess it's what you end up with after decades of wide-ranging interest in the hobby, isn't it? What is it about the aquarium hobby that keeps making us try new things, even decades into our hobby careers? It's interesting to me. Maybe we like to collect stuff and trying new fishes appeals to some instinctive hunter-gatherer thing in our genes. Or it could simply be that there's such an incredible diversity of fishes and aquariums that we just can't help but want to try them all. It might be just that. Sometimes I do wonder why certain people obsess with certain kinds of fishes. For example, for the longest time, I thought the people who were into those big predatory cichlids, you know, the gapote types, were missing a few screws. At the very least, I unfairly placed them into that same stereotype kind of category as the people who walk around, you know, with boa constrictors around their necks and mean-looking pit bulls on a chain. You know the type. 
Then I had the fortunate experience of doing a lot of aquarium-related travel, and I'd spend some time with some of these obsessed you know, people and see their aquariums and their fish rooms and systems devoted to these crazy fish. And I sort of got it. I mean, they're not my cup of tea, but I understand the obsession now. It's the same with beta and guppy people. They may have chosen to specialize with one type of fish, but most of them have multiple strains, or in the case of beta enthusiasts, different species. I recently fell hard for beta albemarginata and some of the other wild-type species, so I totally get it. And of course, many of these wild beta species are perfectly suited for botanical-style aquariums, and that adds to the allure to us. There's so much out there. And what's really cool to me is that the serious fish room of a hardcore fish geek is like Disneyland for fishes. And it seems like even the most ardent lover of, say, African cichlids or rainbow fishes will still have a few random tanks devoted to totally unrelated species. And you'll ask these hobbyists why, and they'll tell you those beautiful words. Because they're cool. Love that. And my mindset, and that mindset, by the way, has perpetuated the whole multiple tank syndrome thing that's been in the hobby forever. And that's why we have 30 to 50 tank fish rooms. I couldn't love it more. It's a truly healthy obsession, in my opinion. Of course, aquarium hobby obsessions have a dark side, too. I know some out there will hate me for bringing this up, and usually it results in at least one or two emails telling me what a hypocrite I am. I'm merely giving you my take on something that I think has turned a bit unhealthy. So here goes. There's lots of amazingly talented, devoted, hardcore reef keepers out there. I come from that culture, so I feel I'm I'm qualified to comment on this. However... In recent years, there was the emergence of what I felt and still feel is a dark underbelly of the reef aquarium hobby world. uh, And that's a stain on a lot of really good stuff that's going on there. One of the more recent things that I've railed on, yeah, don't get me started about it, is the obscenity of what we call named coral frags. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the idea of entrepreneurship and commerce and free trade and such. Yeah, I know. I'm... If someone wants to spend 600 US dollars for a microchip sized frag of something, so be it, right? And, you know, who am I to bash this practice? I, I mean, I sell twigs and leaves, and yeah, okay. Well, let me explain. I hate these named frags because, in my opinion, these, these groups these, that they're sold on have lowered the standards in the hobby by creating this ridiculous sub trade for overpriced, photo manipulated, microchip sized coral frags that are typically often just subtle color variants or brightly colored, freshly imported $16 specimens of common coral species like Acropora tenuous, for example, hacked off the colony and given an, glued to a frag plug and given an absurd name. Artificial scarcity is created. The joke is that the same coral can typically be had at most any legitimate coral vendor, brick and mortar or online, without a stupid name and without the accompanying ridiculous hype. Yeah, they lowered the standards of the aquarium hobby and reduced it to something very different. The legitimate coral propagators out there do amazing work. Why does a big chunk of the reef world embrace these microchip, you know, sized coral frags of these so-called rare varieties? Uh, Which, by the way, often means nothing, just that someone gave the frag of a common species a ridiculous name. I really wish I could tell you. I suppose it has a certain collector's appeal like we talked about before. I do get that. Indeed, one could label me as a bit hypocritical, I suppose, but I just get a little bit sad about stuff like that. I think it cheapens the work done by legitimate coral propagators, of which there are many. It seems to have created an unhealthy obsession, in my humble opinion. And anyways, my point here is not to bash the reef world. Well, maybe kick it in the shins once in a while until it gets a little more sense. I'm very well known in that world for doing that. The point, though, however, was to celebrate the wonderful trait that all aquarium hobbyists share, the delight over trying new stuff and to point out how easily it can be ruined by just a few people who don't seem to get it. Damn, I did get sidetracked, didn't I? 
This stuff's not the same as in other areas of the hobby from what I've seen and experienced. You simply don't see virally hyped auctions for Plecos or, say, Mbuna or Lake Tanganyika Shelleys, for example. Sure, you'll get some high prices for rarer varieties, and truly rare, hard-to-obtain freshwater fishes can fetch breathtaking prices, often because they're legitimately rare and hard to find and import, and that makes sense. You simply... You know, when you see people talking about people are, are, are selling cool... Oh boy, did I botch that up. Let me start over again. I think what I was trying to say is that what you see is you see cool people in that, in that hobby selling fishes that they bred because they have too many of them, not because they're trying to make a quick ransom or an overpriced specimen. You know, sure, there's occasional exceptions, very occasional, but for the most part, it's a very healthy thing. In fact, what I found refreshingly cool about the freshwater auctions and and fish club meetings and so forth, is that you find many times that the seller is almost sadly divesting him or herself of the beloved fishes because they don't have any more space. In fact, many freshwater hobbyists, and quite a few reefers too, will often just give stuff away for free to other people. And of course, when a new fish comes along, they just mysteriously manage to carve out room somewhere in their fish room for the new fish. It's amazing to me that we can still find new delights in a hobby that we've been in all of our lives in many cases. It amazes me that many wonderful people are incredibly generous. They share, they trade, and outright give away fishes and corals they're obsessed with simply because they want others to enjoy them and perhaps to make room for more cool stuff, let's be honest. Enjoy the hobby the way you want to. I know I railed offline a little bit there on the, on the uh, reef world, but never stop chasing those healthy obsessions. Think about your fellow hobbyists, the wild aquatic habitats, and the generations of hobbyists yet unborn. It's kind of mind-blowing when you think about stuff like that. It's an honor to be part of this amazing hobby and in the presence of a group of people who, despite occasionally needing a kick in the ass, overall are pretty wonderful, pretty talented people with a great love for what you do and an appreciation for what you have. Anyway, no matter how your interests change or evolve, stay honest, stay obsessed, stay generous, stay devoted, stay healthy, and of course, always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman. Hopefully I won't trip on my tongue as much as I did uh, tonight. That's what happens when you record late in the day. I've been busy getting your packages out to you. So I hope everybody enjoys it. Have a great time. Hope everybody's safe out there. Uh, and we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks a lot. And I'll see you on the next installment of The Tint.